Okay, lovely to see you all this morning. Uh, lovely to see your smiley faces. Um, so last Sunday, of course, uh, last Sunday evening, Paul shared his thoughts with us, and I just want to build on, well, we'll build on those as we go through this year, really. Um, but this morning, I wanted to share with you five words uh, that we believe are really important for us and everything we're going to do this year. Um, and really, I guess in some ways, these words kind of sum up those 13 things that Paul left us with at the end of his teaching on Sunday evening. So I want to share them with you, and I also want to share what we're going to do in our midweek groups, because they come out of these things, because we're going to do it a little bit uh, differently, because, uh, yeah, I'm excited to share that with you as well. Because pre, pre-COVID, you remember those times? Um, <laughs> um, <clears throat> On the, uh, on the second and fourth Wednesday of the month, we'd meet together in homes, and of course, over the last couple of years, we've done all sorts of different things, but we're going to, uh, yeah, reconfigure it again, and I'm just going to grab this. So let's go to John chapter 17, and I'm going to read, start from here. Ah, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. John 17. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So this is one of the few recorded prayers of Jesus when he he lays out what he actually wants for us. And it's really interesting when you look through those words because you see that actually at the heart of everything was this idea of oneness. It's all about oneness. It's all about being together. It's all about us being together with him and us being together with one another. So, so of all the things he could have prayed for, he prays for oneness. He says that all of them may be one, that they may be one, that they may be brought to complete unity. And then the other theme is this sense of togetherness that he has with the Father, that he wants for us. He says, just as you are in me and I am in you, as we are one, you in me, even as you love me, there's this whole sense that togetherness is at the heart of his prayer. That's what he wants more than anything. And then, of course, there's also this specific purpose of this oneness and togetherness, that those who will believe in me, that the world may believe, then the world will know. And I find it really fascinating that of all the things that many people try and do, Jesus said, the thing that will help people understand who I am is your togetherness and your oneness. That's actually what he says. And he says, it's your togetherness and your oneness. Then the world will know that you sent me and I've loved them. So it seems it's not primarily miracles the world needs, but oneness. It's not the best teachings or Bible colleges or even 24-7 prayer, but oneness. Of course, those things are helpful in getting to oneness. But actually, if they don't lead to oneness, if they don't lead to togetherness, if they don't lead to relationship, then they're a bit of a waste of time. If they don't lead somewhere... If they don't lead to the oneness that Jesus is after, why on earth are we doing them? And so really, and this is not a new word for us, but our first word is relational. Because if it's not relational, it's not kingdom. If it's not relational, it's not kingdom. Jesus is committed to one thing above everything else, 
And that is relationship with you and me and us being together. When Jesus was asked to sum up all the law and the prophets, he talked about loving God and loving each other, which is only possible as you learn to love yourself. So, of course, we've got to move in relationship more and more. So as we, and we've always done this, we've always said this, and it's not going to change. Everything that we do is based around being together and bringing you closer to Jesus, closer to yourself, and closer to one another. Because that's what Jesus said was the summation of everything that was gone before. As we've said many times, the true mark of someone who loves Jesus and is walking a kingdom life is not in their prayer life or their Bible study or their attendance at meetings, but in their ability to love other people. And especially their ability to love the other. Anybody can love people who like the things they like and agree with what they agree with. That's not really, doesn't set you apart. But your ability to love the other and to walk with the other, that is what sets you apart. So you could sum it up like Charlie Maxey sets it up. What do you think success is, asked the boy. To love, said the mole. The whole point of Jesus leaving heaven and coming to earth was so Jesus and Father could enjoy what they always wanted to enjoy. Relationship with you and me. That's what Jesus prays. And sadly, what you see wider around is that people are putting agreement on certain issues as more important than loving people. They're putting agreement on the issues of the day. Now you've got churches who are like, the issue of the day is what that church is all about. Okay, but we're meant to love each other, even if we think differently. You see, here's the thing. Jesus doesn't agree with many things we do. There are many things you think that Jesus does not agree with. Many things you do that Jesus does not agree, does not think you should be doing, and yet he still loves you. Your relationship with Jesus is not based on his agreement with everything you do. It's based on his love for you. And if we're meant to becoming like Jesus, surely that means that our relationship should not be based on whether we agree or not, but based on the fact that we love them because they are a human being made in the image of Christ Jesus. You see, this idea of relating has got nothing to do with agreement, but everything to do with understanding that we were born to be together, born to love others, and born to be loved. And of course, that's getting increasingly challenging because we live in an increasingly diverse society. But it just makes it easier to stand out. Just makes it easier to be seen. Just makes it easier, really. Because one of the ways we, we, we learn to relate and love is when we actually get together. And I have missed... I have missed us getting together in smaller groups where we can pray for each other, bless one another, be in homes. And one of the things we're going to do is get back to that. We're going to get back to being together in small groups, in homes, for those who want to do that. Uh, once a month on a Wednesday evening, we're going to meet together in small groups, in homes, to share together and work through some things we've gone through this last couple of years. Because how many of you know that you need to work through some of the things you've gone through? You've been through an unprecedented, I hate that word, but it's an unprecedented time. And if you don't talk about it and pray about it and work through it, it will trip you up further down the line. This thing about relationships, of course, is they don't happen in a vacuum or a lab. A relationship is something that needs to be experienced. Every relationship is lived from an actual reality. And of course, we know that from our human relationships, but it's also meant to be the same with Jesus. It's not meant to be a dry, cold, head knowledge kind of relationship, but an actual, real relationship of two people sharing and journeying together. That's actually what it means to love Jesus, to actually know him. That's why Paul's been talking so much about this pool of consciousness and this idea of becoming conscious of who he is and who we are. 
our, our identity in him and his very real presence within us. It's why Paul in the, in the Bible writes this, we must live in the Holy Spirit and follow after him. But here's the challenge. Here's the challenge for those of us who are more left brain, those who are more methodical and analytical, because we want to use our logic and reasoning to work everything out. But sadly, that does not work to be led by the Spirit. You can't work it all out. You can't logic and reason it. Of course, those of us who are more right brain, more intuitive, and more used to going with the gut might find it a little easier. But no matter our makeup, we must learn to flow in the Spirit. There is a need for us to stop trying to understand everything and start to receive everything. There's a need to stop trying to understand everything and start to receive something. Now, that's easier said than done, and it's particularly hard to express with words because words have to be decoded by your mind, so you're already at a disadvantage. But listen, it's, it's the difference between knowing someone and knowing about someone. It's the difference between having a coffee with somebody and watching a film about somebody. It's the difference between going for a walk with somebody and reading a book about them. That's the difference between knowing Jesus and knowing about him. But you've got to actually experience him in some real way. I mean, Nigel prayed that I might, I might be touched. I, I had about 10 minutes of just sat in his beautiful presence, just being filled up by him in worship. It was beautiful. Because I've learned to get out of my head. I've learned to, to, to actually not bypass it, but go through it in my spirit and just receive him. And I am a left brain, methodological, analytical, logical person. I am. That's my natural makeup. But I've learned because I've spent time doing it. So we can all do it. Some of us find it harder than others, but we can all do it. But you've just got to spend time learning. And of course, any relationship, as well as being experienced, has to also be expressed. So our third word is expressive. How do you express the love of Jesus in you to those around you? And how you express your love to Jesus will be different to how other people express their love. And once again, we've got to learn to celebrate our differences. We've got to learn to celebrate them. Not tolerate them, not put up with them, but celebrate them. 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 12 says this, we, dare not, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. Listen, your expression of Jesus is beautiful. Your expression of Jesus is beautiful. And if you can see that you are the unique that you are unique in the beautiful way you are, then you can stop comparing yourself. There's nobody like you on the face of the earth, and that's a fabulous thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's why comparing yourself never works. You'll always come off worse because you are different. You are different, and that's wonderful. But it's your difference that makes you special. Your difference is key to your success. But more than that, your difference is key to somebody else's success and a key to their future. I need your difference. You need my difference. I don't want you to be like me, and I don't want to be like you. I want you to be like you, and me to be like me. And then I want to take everything, not take, but I want to take from everything that you've got that's different and, and go, okay, that's fantastic. I'm going to use that now. Your difference is what somebody else's needs, and you need somebody else's difference. After all, every healthy relationship is built around difference. That's why relationships are hard work, because you're different. That's why it's like that. But every healthy relationship is built around difference. Faye and I are massively different. But one of the things we've learned in these last 13 and a half years, nearly 14 years, is to celebrate each other's difference and release each other into their difference. Just to go, okay, you're better at that than me. 
I don't care what the stereotype is. I don't care what the world tells me I should or shouldn't do. I'm good at it. You're good at that. Let's just crack on and go for it. It's not, it's not complicated. But you've got to learn. First of all, to do that, you've got to know what your difference is. And then you've got to be humble enough to acknowledge that somebody else is better at something than you were. It took me about 14 years, but I'm getting there. Listen, here's the thing. Is that you need people who are different to you to make the difference you were created to be. You can't do anything good on your own. You need people around you who are different to you, who will add to you, who will provoke you. And nobody likes being provoked, but it's good for you. It is, honestly, it's good for you. Some people have a gift of it. And we should welcome them and say thank you. Not looking at anybody in particular. But you see, I know that provocation. That provocation to difference has made me the man I am today. Because if nobody provoked me, I wouldn't learn. If nobody provoked me, I wouldn't change. If nobody made me think about something I'd never thought about and saw it from a totally different angle, I wouldn't even see it. I'd, I'd just see one perspective. But somebody went, yeah, but what about this side? And I went, uh, okay. But then you learn, oh, yeah, okay. And then the beauty of it is, once you learn to be provoked and look, you can appreciate the gem of life from every angle. Life's boring from one angle. It's wonderfully exciting from tons of different angles. You need to learn and make friends with those who are different. You've got to ask yourself, okay, I hope you've got friends who, who love the vaccine and hate it. I hope you've got friends who love masks and hate them. And if you aren't, you've got to ask yourself a question. Why is that? Why is that? Because if you don't have friends who can do both, that tells you something about your ability to love and the wideness of your friends. No, really. If all your friends are in one camp, you've got a problem because you are now in an echo chamber where you're not going to hear anything else. And God does not live in an echo chamber. He's open all the time. That don't mean to say you've not made up your mind. Don't mean to say you're not clear before God what you think about all sorts of things. But it means we're not going to live in this echo chamber. And you realize social media is an echo chamber. Where the same views, you just get more and more and more and more and more. Jesus was able to meet, communicate and connect with people who were completely and wholly different to him. Are you? Can I? Can I connect? He was able to deal with the angry ones, the blind ones, the deaf ones, the lame ones, the fearful ones, the I know everything ones, the I've got it all sorted ones, the accusers, the critics and the traitors. And he met them all in love. They were all different to him, but he was able to speak and deal with them in love and grace and truth. He made space for them, made room for them, and not just to tolerate them, but to actually celebrate them. We must more and more learn to express who Jesus made us to be and learn to express, receive those expressions of Jesus that are different to our expressions. One of the things I love about Shipley Christians Together, which is the, the charity that uh, we're a part of as a church and I'm a part of as a trustee, it, it, it's all the 12 churches in Shipley that do the debt center and food bank and all that sort of stuff. I love going to their meetings and they express Jesus differently. And it doesn't look anything like our worship looks like, but I love it. I love going to Durham Cathedral and sitting Evensong Okay, but if you, can't, if you can't enjoy those experiences, then that's an issue. Because it means you think you've got your experience all sorted and right, and there's only one way to Jesus. No, no, no. Listen, every church in this town is doing something to express Jesus. We don't have it right. We've just got it right for us and what God's called us to do. Yeah. I don't go over there and go, oh, they've got it wrong. I go, no, no, they've got an expression of Jesus. 
from the past and where they're going and where they're at. And it's a beautiful thing. And I celebrate it. Because I've learned to celebrate difference. I've learned to enjoy it. And I've learned to receive. Honestly, I, I meet most Wednesday mornings with the other ministers for prayer for 45 minutes. The, the Anglican vicars prophesied to me. He didn't know it. The Catholic priest has done it twice. Why? Because I'm able to receive difference. I'm able to hear it. And I think we've got to get better at this idea of expression, especially in our worship. We've had it on our hearts for a while now, and we're going to do it this year. So, so one Wednesday a month, we're going, to, we're going to come together for, well, I don't, it's going to be an expressive time. Uh, worship, praise, prophesy, soak, sing, pray, paint, draw, write, act, dance, model, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I want to get some easels, and I want to get some paint. I want to get some modeling clay. I want to get some fabric. I want to get... I don't know, all sorts of different stuff and just say, hey, let's see how we can worship Jesus. I want to get some, and obviously, like, I'm not going to stand behind an easel because that would be just a waste of pain. But, because I can't do that, I'm not gifted that, but I, I can write things or I can just sit in silence or I can journal. I, I don't quite know what we're going to do. It's going to be different. And then, once we've bought that stuff, and I don't know we're going to pay for it either. We already need more than we've had in last month. But anyways, we're just going to do it. And then, we're going to create on that balcony a permanent creative prayer space that's going to have these things up all the time. So on a Sunday morning, if you want to come along, you can paint all Sunday morning, or you can sew all Sunday morning, or you can journal, or during the week you can come down and just use it to see. It's going to have some comfy chairs, it's going to have some heat somehow, I don't know, this is what I'm seeing, somebody's going to pay for it some, somehow. Um, <laughs> But this is what I'm seeing. I, I, I saw it in September. I had a week away and I saw it and I went, okay, but we're going to do it this year, okay? In fact, we're going to do it this quarter. Well, we're going to do it even quicker than that because by February, we're going to have it all on a Wednesday night. So I'm excited about that. I, and not that I can do any of that stuff, but I'm excited for everybody else because I think there's gifts and talents and abilities and ways of expressing Jesus that go beyond singing. And I want to release it. So if you're interested in helping, by the way, because I know jack all about that stuff. <laughs> Uh, I need some help. So please, if you want to help me, tell me. I want to help you set it up. I need some help about what to buy and how to buy it and how to do it. So I, I need you guys who are good at it. I need your help. So please come talk to me because I want, I want to put a little team together and make it happen. I'm excited about it and I'm, I won't even use any of it probably, but I, I just know there's some incredible things going to come forth. Okay, fourth word. Simple. You realize the kingdom really is simple. Whenever Jesus spoke about the kingdom, he used very simple analogies and parables, fields, farmers, trees, animals. He kept it simple. In one sense, of course, it is really simple. After all, success is to love. It really is simple. Of course, outworking that can be challenging for each generation. What does it mean to love? What does that look like? But we are no different to previous generations. Three or four generations ago, they were working out whether love meant to go and fight or be a conscientious objector. What, what's love? Is it to go fight for people or is it to stay at home and object? They were working this out. Go back further to people like Wilberforce, Bevan, Bernardo, men who in their time were work. what does it mean to love in this era? People who brought us things like children's homes and the end of slavery and the NHS. 
people who are working out, what does it mean to love people? It's never been a new thing to work out what it means to love. We're just facing different challenges, just as they faced different challenges back then. This is not a particularly more difficult time than any other generation. We're just working out what does it mean to love for us, as they did. That's what we're doing. Of course, that's the little more complicated bit. We're having to work out what love looks like, and that's not simple. It's not so easy, but when we are working out what love looks like, we must, not, we must not allow the world to tell us what love looks like. I'm not going to allow my politicians to tell me what love looks like. I'm not going to allow any social commentator to tell me what love looks like, because Jesus already told me what love looks like. It looks like the giving up of life one for another. That is love. Love is very clearly defined by Jesus. And when we think about working out love, it's as much as how you stand for something as what you stand for. Because what you see is lots of people stand for lots of things, but underneath it all, they still have the same arrogance and control and desire to make everybody else do what they want. Okay, but how you stand for it is also really important. It's as much about how you treat those who think differently to you than it is how strongly you feel about something. According to the Bible, love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to somebody else. Love does not brag about one's own achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame or disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Lastly, familiar. You never throw out the baby with the bathwater. In amongst all this talk of new era and all the things we've been saying over the last two years, this is not a move to get rid of everything that was. In one sense, we're not, we're not going back to what was, but in another sense, we're also not leaving behind that which has served us so well. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. You see, there are some ancient paths that got handed down to us from generations before that have proved incredibly fruitful and valuable. Paths of discipleship, paths of honesty, paths of vulnerability, paths of sacrifice, paths of community, paths of family, paths of openness, Paths of together. These are the ancient paths where the good way is. And whilst I have any say in the direction of this family, they'll always remain the ancient paths that we must tread because I've seen how powerful they are. Those are the paths that have caused transformation in the lives of so many people. And they will continue to cause transformation in those who are willing to tread them. I've also seen a greater need for them than ever before. In our world of increasing division and hostility towards the other, there is more need than ever for family and community and togetherness. More than ever for a place to feel safe and at home. There's more need than ever for discipleship to provide an actual, working, living, proven solution to the challenge Jesus put down to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Because the only way you can do that is through honesty, vulnerability, openness, and sacrifice. So everything we do going, is going to be built, and it, 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 it really is built on these words anyway. It's just a reminder. Okay, how do we, 
how do we do this more and more? We've already got, you know, gifts given expressions. We've already got this stuff. We've already got discipleship. It's not that we've not got this stuff, but it's just helpful to go, okay. For me, it's helpful to go, okay. This is what we're doing. And so real practical, just to finish, um, going forward, our, mid, our midweek groups, on the second Wednesday in the month, this coming Wednesday, we'll, we're going to meet together for a worship, praise, prophetic, expressive, contemplative, soaking time. And um, we won't be able to get all the artistic stuff by this Wednesday, but by the following month we will. Um, and we'll explore that in different ways. Um, it certainly involves time spent in that pool of consciousness, reminding ourselves in various ways of his presence within and around us. And I think they'll probably have a different emphasis each time we gather together. Um, and really, those are times for you to make what you will. You might just go, you know what, I just want somewhere to sit for an hour in a bit of quiet. Great, come and do that. You, you might know that you need a journal but never have space. Okay, come bring your journal, sit in a corner and do that. Just because we're singing, you don't have to. It's expressive for you to express your love to Jesus, how you want to express it. It's a space for you to enjoy. And then on the fourth Wednesday in the month, I'm going to offer you the opportunity to meet in a small group in somebody's home uh, to do a short course called the Lament Course. It's a course I wrote about four years ago now. And... Um, it's just four sessions once a month, and it gives you an opportunity to work through from the book of Lamentations um, those groans and griefs that are in your heart. Because whether you know it or not, there are groans and griefs in your heart. Whether you're aware of it or not, there are things that you have missed and lost and not happened that need to come out and be talked about. And I want to give you opportunity to do that. I want to give you opportunity to be in a small group and to be prayed for together, to be spoken over, to be encouraged, to have a cup of tea together. Um, so we're going to do that. We're going to ask you to sign up for that as a new car. So you're just going to, if you want to do that, you just sign up. So I'm going to go for those four weeks once a month. Um, and they, those groups will not be based on our old life groups. So there'll be new groups because it depends who signs up for it as to how many we need and all the rest of it. Um, but I would really encourage you to do that. I think there'll be something um, familiar of old that I think you'll enjoy that they're going to hold the same kind of format as our life groups used to do. There's like a, a video teaching from me for like 10 minutes and some questions, then another 10 minutes teaching and some questions, but just a space to explore together. Um, and I, whether you know it or not, you actually need it. Whether you're aware of it, you need that for you uh, because I need it for me. Uh, and also, if we can, we'll do one during the day. So if you can make a daytime one, that's great. Put yourself down. We'll try and do one during the day. If there's other days, we'll try and make it work for as many people as possible because um, I, I want as many as possible to be able to, to do it. But I think it's really important because one of the 13 things Paul pointed out was to give, give voice to those groans and griefs. Uh, and actually, it's a skill that you have to learn. In the, in the Jewish synagogue every year, they have one Saturday where they read through Lamentations and they spend the whole time just giving lament to that which they've lost. They, they know grieving is a part of the annual cycle and giving space to talk and give it over and share it. We're not very good at that in the Christian church. We're good at celebration and woohoo, but actually we've got to learn to just share the reality of what we feel we've lost, what's not there. So I would encourage you to be a part of, of that um, 
And we'll, we'll put all the details in the weekly as well, and you can kind of reply to that. Again, as uh, Nigel said, if you don't get well, the weekly is our, our weekly newsletter. It goes out on a Monday. It tells you everything that's going on. Uh, so if you don't get it, you can have it. Just ask Margaret for it. Um, okay. Relational, experiential, expressive, simple, familiar. I am going to be building everything I do. And not just, not just corporately, but personally as well. You know, when Faye and I sit down and think about what we're going to be going, okay, how can we keep this really simple? How can, how can we bring, you know, as a family, what can we do that might bring something familiar back? These are not just words for this family. They're actually words for this season, for this time, that you can go, okay, what does it, what does it mean then to make sure that I'm relating or I'm expressing or I'm experiencing? So I'd encourage you to do that as well. Okay, shall we pray? Thank you, Father. Father, I want to thank you for your desire to be in relationship with us. I thank you that you experienced in a human body what life was like and then expressed what spirit life was like through that human body. I want to thank you that you can be familiar with us because you know what it is to walk the earth. And I want to thank you for the simplicity in many ways of one sacrifice for all. Father, we love you. And we pray that this year more and more we might grow individually and corporately in these things. We might be able to relate deeper to you and to one another. To be more expressive and, and more expressive of who we are. Father, I pray we might experience new depths in you. And that those ancient paths might become even more familiar to us. In the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen.